Makes me want to dance. It's a Cinco de Mayo inspired music. Class. Oh, see, see, I'm very intrigued, you know, because there's the Kentucky Derby. It's a lot of things going on today. A lot of things going on today. What is up, everybody? What's going on, folks? Welcome. We just talked about it. Special it's edition. Derby Day from the Hill. Derby Day in studio. Special edition. Cinco de Mayo. We're taking callers, Prof. Drinko de Mayo. Drinko de Caller's Mayo. choice. Carona? What's your, what's your Mexican cerveza of choice, Prof? Everything, dude. You like I go, them all? I go all margaritas. Margarita. Huh? All margaritas. I don't. I do Coronas, but I go all margaritas. Margarita. The margarita with the Corona upside down inside. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's a good one. Have you done that? Oh, yeah. The bottle inside the drink. I don't know. I don't know where this guy's from that does Despacito, but it sounded like a good Cinco de Mayo opening. Song. Oh, it's fantastic! The song's still good. Still makes me dance. It holds up over time. It does. So we are getting jumping right in here because we got callers calling in shortly here. But before we get started, as always, just some quick housekeeping. Remember, guys, we will have all the segments timestamped in the description portion of the show. That includes the callers who called in, what we talked about. Uh, real quick. The hats are in. I don't know if you guys saw I posted on social media yesterday, but our new round of hats are in. So if you want a hat, hit me up. Uh, I got some inquiries about why I ship them out to you. Absolutely. I'll ship to San Diego. I'll ship to Wisconsin. I'll ship to Maine. I don't care. If you want a From the Hill hat. Is it free shipping? I got you. Oh, boy. On the spot. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have to see how much it costs to ship because it might be like five bucks. If it fits, it ships. I know. I'll be taking a loss on a hat. It's all right. As long as, it sub- as long as it gets to its, as long as it gets to its destination, that's all that matters. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to get started here. Uh, the first thing that I really wanted to talk about because it kind of got me fired up this morning, Nick, is we just played Despacito. It's a pop song. You know, I was listening to one, um, 106.1, and they do a lot of the old school songs. And there's some pop songs that just don't hold up over time, buddy. What's that? <laughs> so you remember the Pussycat Dolls, don't you? Yeah, why does that not? Oh up? my god, dude! That song came on, and I like almost threw up on my dashboard in my car. Like I was listening to it; it's so bad. Yeah, you're right. There's probably a lot of songs like that where you think back, and it's almost makes you cringe a little bit, bro. Like the chorus is "Don't you?" Like it's so, dude, like it is yeah. so bad. I couldn't, I couldn't listen to it. I let it go for like a minute, and yeah. then just I couldn't take it. So I don't know. Nothing comes to mind that I, I can think of. I can probably sit here and think of a couple. I got another one for minutes. you. I got another one for you. Who let the dogs out? Nah, that holds up, dude. It's hard. That totally holds up. Really? Yeah, because it, it's got hidden meaning. It's something that we didn't know as kids when that song came out what it really meant. But it's really about nasty girls in the club. Oh, well, yeah, but like it's just the, just the whole. But thing now to you, it. you can you can listen to it from a new perspective <sighs> that when, you know that you're an adult and you understand. When it first came out, it was really catchy, right? And like the whole this half reggae like type of beat. It comes on now, and I'm just like, wow, this is just pathetic. I can't even listen to the song. No. I got, I'm, I'm against you on that. All right. So conversely, I got something. I got some songs that do hold up, okay? Go ahead. How about 50 Cent in the club? Absolutely. Still good. Matter yeah. of fact, we were talking the other that day. That was my old ringtone. Dude, we were talking the other day about just overall albums, and Get Rich or Die Trying might be one of the greatest rap albums. I'm ever. not a 50 Cent fan, but that per- song in particular. That song was so good. I do enjoy. That whole album. That whole album I'm totally, was great. totally off camera. Go. 
Goat. Sorry, Goat. Goat. Yeah, that was a great song. I agree with you. I don't like some of the other ones. And then there was a whole 50 Cent movement after that where there like was. all his friends kind of became famous and G- they, G- they G- came G- out with songs. G- you knew. And they were, it was like really bad. Yeah. Not talented rappers at all. Yeah. Well, then, the, you know, you got the game in G-Unit, and then they started that whole feud, and then, yeah. Rap, rap history. That's right. That's what we bring. Stunt 101. So, some other things that happened here. We're going to talk quick baseball. I know you love to touch on baseball, Prof. I love to touch on baseball. So, let's start with... Uh, <laughs> let's start with... Uh, to be to sound creepy. Yeah. Let's start Thanks with... Thanks for mentioning Your that. boy. Your boy. Who's that? Matt Harvey. No, he's not my boy. Your boy. No, disowned. <laughs> Designated for assignment. Designated for assignment and for a good cause. What a fall from grace for that guy, huh? He really, if you really go back and look at his numbers, he really only had one phenomenal season and then one decent season. And then after that, it all fell apart. Yeah, so what makes you, like, why did we hype him up so much? Because he was in New York? Well, that's one thing. Because he was in New York and he got a lot of publicity and people saw him out all the time and um, and he, then the second thing is when he came on in 2013, I mean, he was really, he was really a stud. I mean, 191 strikeouts in 178 innings. He was an all-star. He started that all-star game. He had a sub one whip, 9.6 Ks per nine. So that the, all those stats. Oh, he was a the, stud. There's I mean, no question. if those stats stay forever, you know, of course. Oh yeah. He's a those are Yeah. That's, that's unbelievable. Even five years. But then. He didn't play 2014, right. and then 2015, he had a decent year, 188 Ks in 189 innings. Not great. Not great. But still, that's, that's legit. I mean, legit that's a legit starter, starter in the league. Definitely. Sure. So, you know, he, he was just a flash in the pan if you look at it, but the hype surrounding him made him seem like yeah. more than he actually he was. He coined himself Batman, right? Well, the that, Dark Knight. The, the, yeah. Not necessarily Batman, yeah. but yeah. So he was the Dark Knight. They did a big Sports Illustrated cover story on yeah. him. And he was he, out and about he was in town. Like, he was supposed to kind of revived the Mets right and it just never came to fruition you know so. I, I actually had a theory about that and it, it happens a lot with teams um, where that when you try and start your entire team or your core around pitchers right it's just such a <sighs> risk because this day and age pitchers just don't seem to stay healthy minus a few guys and so when you try to have your core be like the young pitchers they had, like Harvey, DeGrom, right that was supposed to be their core five years ago but then once one or two of these guys gets hurt they just never come back. Well, he's one of those high-risk pitchers because he's he's one of those flamethrowers. So it's high-risk, high-reward, you know, but when it doesn't pan out and his injuries happen because of all the, you know, he was throwing, he's up there in like 97, 98 range. And that's not, you, you typically can't keep that forever. I mean, but if you're not Nolan Ryan, you can't keep that forever. But he also has like this party side that in New York, in New York, I mean, he's he's in the club scene oh, yeah. all the time. Oh yeah, he was a superstar, and he became this this guy that's just out in the clubs all night. Right. He missed, uh, in, I think it was like 2015 NLDS because he got quote unquote stuck in traffic, and then last year he was too hungover to pitch as well. I mean, guys that don't take their careers seriously, just they're not going to last that long. No. And that's what happened to him. And then with, uh, of course, the injuries, the thoracic, now, thoracic do you think, syndrome. Do you think that the partying has to do with the injuries, you know, not taking care of your body? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, it has to. Some guys can do it, though. Some guys can do it. Some guys can't. Well, I don't know. I, I, I think it was about that time. But the Mets did cite these mechanical flaws that they saw in his game. And, and – 
they wanted him to go back to the minors, to AAA specifically, so that he could kind of work on those mechanics. Similar to the way guys like Halliday and Cliff Lee did, where they went back to the minors. They didn't have when, once they came up, they were they were decent, but they never took that next step. And then he just basically told them, "Hey, I'm not willing to do this." So they said, "Sorry, man, we can't we can't keep you around." Yeah, no, I I hear you. It's uh, <laughs> a tough fall from grace, and the, and like we talked about, the bigger spotlight because he's in New York. So I don't know. Um. Yeah, so next one was uh, Pujols. Got his 3,000th hit yesterday. Yeah, definitely you think about that? saw that. No, our Pujols is a legend of the game, and uh, I think he's I think he's probably the best right-handed hitter of all time. What do you wow. think? You don't think? You don't think that way. Wow. You know, I didn't know you were going to put me on the spot for that, for the best right-handed hitter of all time. Well, think of, think of like a couple guys that you would put up there. Uh, yeah, I mean, DiMaggio comes to mind. Yeah, definitely. Right? Um Man, that you could be right. Actually, I mean, he's definitely in the top five. Let no me doubt. put it. Let top me put three. it this way: Would you take Pujols or Miggy? Hmm. I, I probably would take. Well, oh, that's a tough one. No, it's not. It's really not. I'd probably take Miggy. No, it's Albert Pujols all day. Really, every day. Did he's, you Did you compare insane. their stat lines? I did. So, all right, go ahead. Give me, give me, give me some comparisons. So for them. he played eighteen years. So he's gone over a hundred RBIs for fourteen years. He's had over 900 OPS for 11 years, over 30 home runs in 14 years, and a top five MVP vote for 10 years. He got he has three MVP awards. Yes, but the the most impressive thing for me, just looking at his baseball reference stats and stuff like that, and comparing them to other guys, he never struck out more than 93 times in a season. Yeah, I mean he's always had great plate discipline. The one thing that I we had talked that's, about that's the most amazing part about his game is that he he just understands what a strike is. Yes, and. It, you know, you say that, and it sounds easy enough to say. And watching from TV and seeing from behind the pitcher, it's easy to know what a strike is. But to see it from that right-handed right-handed batter's box, just to give you kind of a comparison of what that means. So, so Stanton's most strikeouts ever is 170. Aaron Judge last year, how many times do you think Aaron Judge struck out last year? Oh, I think he was in the 200s now. 208. Yeah. Ryan Howard's most was 199. Mark Reynolds has the all-time record at 223. And, and believe me, I'm not comparing Mark Reynolds to like any of these great hitters. But um, what do you think Miguel Cabrera's is? Maggie? Yeah. He strikes out more than I would give him probably like 140, 150. 148. Yeah. But this guy never struck out more than 93 times. No. That's and unbelievable. To your point, right? And the thing is, when you look at his career stat line where he sits right now, right? It's 304, 620 home runs, 1935 RBI. He... The, the incredible thing is his power numbers are there without striking out, and that's going to your point, right? Because we're comparing – look who we're comparing him to. We're comparing him to Judge and Stanton. These are power guys, and the fact that Pujols was able to hit for average and power is what makes him such an all-timer. Yeah, unbelievable. Over 600 home runs, 3,000 hits, crazy. Seventh all-time in homers, ninth RBIs, uh, second all-time in intentional walks. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. To Barry Bonds. So. Well, of course. I mean, Barry Bonds set the record in one season. Definitely. Right? <laughs> you know, so, so one thing that I wanted to say, and Nick just did it for us because we, we talked about his stat line. We were talking about RBI versus RBIs, right? And that's always a debate is how do you say it? Because technically, the acronym is runs batted in, right? RBI. But Nick just said it when he said his 1935 RBIs. Yeah, so once you once you make the acronym, it becomes its own 
entity <laughs> and it becomes RBIs. It's just like, I don't know, maybe, maybe this isn't similar, but I, this always bugs me when you see on the TV, like you go on the guide and it says NBA basketball. It's like National Basketball Association basketball, MLB baseball, Major League Baseball. It's already, baseball. Yeah, it's already, it's already been in, said. Right. True. But you know what? It's an acronym. So the acronym so itself it's becomes unto the, itself. the coin. Yeah. So I, I disagree with that. Uh, I'm an RBI guy because it, it just, I think that's just the way it is because runs are built in. So, so that really, like when people say RBIs, that really like, bothers you. Um, It doesn't bother me, but I like to correct them on them. So like this, like if you were to say me and Jack, I would say Jack and I, right? Okay. Like I, <laughs> You're one of those. Yeah. That's like that's kind of the way I am yeah. with spelling. Yeah. Like I'll be in a group text and somebody will spell something wrong and I'm the guy that's that sends that right spelling with the... The asterisk? Yeah. Everybody has their thing. I'm just very annoying that way. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties with our first caller, uh, Jason Carrick, the man Jay Berg was going to call up. He wanted to talk derby. Let's get into the derby talk here while we're, yeah, while we're trying to tee up some buddy. other callers. So, I wanted to start with my pick, and then I want to give you— Wait a second. Are you like, are you a big derby guy? Like, Do you consider it like a sporting event? <sighs> All right. So, I consider it an event. I don't know if I consider it a sporting event. I do love horse racing. We've talked about it before. I grew up on horse racing, Delaware Park. Like I, what I mean, you grew up on it, that, dude. We I used to go to the club, the Italian club, with my grandfather all the time and bet the ponies, man. Oh, that's right. You yeah, told, told yeah, some all the time, man. So I, I do love In the smoky back rooms of that's Bridgeport? it of Narstown, buddy. Of Narstown, yeah, man. I, I do love it. I do enjoy it. Um, I love the betting aspect of it. Right. I just, I think it's great. So. What I have right now, my pick is, uh, I mean, you could probably could have guessed this if you checked it out, but I read into the horse a little bit, is my boy Jack. See, that's a bad select. That's a bad way to pick, dude. No, it's not how I picked. Hold on a second. That's a bad way Hold to pick. Hold on a second. I went by name, but then I looked at what's going on here with him, right? So my boy Jack, he opened up at 30 to 1. He's all the way down as of yesterday, last night, to 5 to 1. So he, because they looked at where he's run the last couple races, where he got positioned, he is poised to make a run here, big time. Well, I did some research myself, and up to a couple hours ago, my boy Jack was thirty to one. So what's what what that tells me from that dropping to five to one is that everybody named Jack or John is running out and betting on my no, my boy Jack. There's not that many people That's our age happening. named Jack. Everybody, That's what's happening. Everybody named Jack is like four years old right now. So I do have the rundown of like some of the the experts expert analysis and I have the odds as well. And I can go through them one to twenty if you really want to do that. But I could give you the four horses that I like. What say you? Okay. So let me give you, I'll give you Jay Bird's picks. He was going to give us on the call here. He's got, he, here's his trifecta in order, or sorry, here, his, yeah, in order. He's got Good Magic, Audible, My Boy Jack as his trifecta, and he's got Good Magic to win. He's at eight to one as of right now. Yes. So that's his, that would be his trifecta. All right. He said, he says, who's first? Uh, what's, good, it, what's the trifecta? It's like the, is it a box trifecta? It's, it's like they can finish can, in any order? You can take the box, yeah, but it doesn't pay as much. If, you, right. if you want the actual so trifecta. So what's, what's his trifecta? Let his me trifecta is. Let me, give you, let me give you the analysis. Good magic. All right, so good magic. The, he is running out of the, where the hell is he? Good magic. He's running out of the six, the six post, good as post. they call it. It's a good post. And he's actually in my top four as well. Yeah. He's, really good odds, and he's a really good value pick. Yes, eight to one. So he so this morning, at like up until like three hours ago, he's twelve to one. Okay, so while Bird just you know Bird's all over the the tight lines, he probably just checked it like right now. Okay, and he'll be at the turf club, so all eight right. to one. Very well. He's got Audible in the second slot. All right, so Audible in the second spot out of the five post, he is also in my top four. 
He's an I had him at eight to one. He's a good pick, but here's the, here's the thing. This could be a good thing or a bad thing. He's had some hoof work done. Oh, he had some hoof work done on his front two hooves. Hooves. And you know I don't know how to read that. True. I, I'm I'm not a hoof expert. No, nope, you gotta watch the hooves. But that's what that's what the experts are giving me. So he's he's actually in my top four as well. Okay. Who's and then it? his third is my boy Jack. And I have uh, that. Big big boy Jack or my boy Jack, thirty to one. Uh, he's just overmatched in this race. You think the experts say he's overmatched? The one of the experts that I read his his son was named Jack, and he's he selected the horse Giacomo before. He said never again. I will never base it on a personal on the relationship, na- on the name, yeah. and that's why I don't like him because I'm too we're too close. Jack. Yeah, I agree. I don't like. I, I, don't I, like get, I get where you're coming from. I'm gonna of course take my boy Jack. I'll probably go with Bird and take Good Magic as well. I'll take both of them. I don't know. I may do a box trifecta for fun. I usually like to throw a ton out there. Okay, so here's what I have. I have Bolt Dioro at eight to one. That's my winner. Okay, okay that's my that's my surprise at eight to one. Okay, he's he's a, a hot selection. Uh, my my number two is from the five post audible as we already mentioned good value work on the front hooves my next is good magic uh at 12 to 1 great value pick and my fourth pick and this is kind of the uh this this may be a little bit of a long shot here but it's hofberg at 20 to 1 he's a young pup coming into his first run but he has a very big upside and and the what they're saying is that the owner and the trainer are very, very experienced. Okay. And if this guy was overmatched, there's no shot they would put him in. But right. they know. So they, they think that he's a, a very good, talented cult. Okay. And so he, he rounds off my top four. I like it. All right. I like it a lot, actually. And if you have questions on any others, I've got 20 of these. Yeah, I like it. I, I like the rundown. You know, I like the start. See, the, the only thing that's killing me today with watching, actually, and so Bird, when we're getting into that, is Bird gave us a bonus pick. He likes the Sixers for the full game, minus eight and a half. Okay. And so the problem is today, I like to start watching the Are Derby. there minus eight and a half today? Yeah, well, they're, they're huge favorites because they're so good at home. Yeah, I know. And they need this game. So the only problem for me today is that the Sixers start at five. And the Derby takes off at 6.30. I like to start watching the Derby about an hour before. You know, I don't like the hoopla, but about an hour before. You like to see the hats I, well, I like, and the mint jewels. I want to see them do their walk because that's when you see about the front hoof work. Like, that's when they'll start talking about the horses and the scratches. Do, do, like, do you really? So yeah. I, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that much about horse racing, only from what I read this morning. I used to I used to go to Delaware Park and stuff like that, but I still didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. But so – you really take information like, from that. Yeah, I like to watch them trotting around. I like to see how they're looking. So do odds drop from their their walkthrough to sure. the start of the race? Sure. Really? But you so the thing the cool thing, obviously, I mean you probably know this, but about horse racing, if if you guys don't, is when you're there, right, if you're at the turf club or if you're betting, you can get odds because they're gonna change almost real time, but you whatever you lock your ticket in is what you can get paid. Right. Right. So the thing about my boy Jack, he's actually doesn't have great value right now because if you got him yesterday, you could have had him locked in at thirty to one, but now he's down to five to one. Right. So Yeah. So you get you get good value if you go in early. I got you. Yeah, depending on depending it's just like anything else. Like really. anything else, depending on what horse you take, right? Yeah, it's the same as any other sport. But I I mean I don't consider it a sporting event, but it isn't certainly an event. Yeah. It's I, it's crazy though how much hoopla it gets for like how long does it go? Yeah, uh, it's only two. <laughs> yeah, it's like a minute and a half. Yeah, yeah, but I know it, it. It's the drink fest too. Like everybody's just down there partying, you know. So a lot of people are there and they won't even watch the race because they're just going to be there drinking and partying and like whatever. Yeah, it's kind of like whatever. 
So we're having some technical difficulty with the phone. We we're supposed to take some calls today. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure what's what's happening, but um, I think what we can do is um, we can we can jump onto some new topics. Yeah, we're we're gonna Eamon's calling up here in a couple minutes. So let's see if he he's gonna call in 10:50. So we'll see if that one goes through. But uh, where I did want to go, we're gonna go to the NBA. But before we start breaking down the games, because I know he wants to talk 76ers, if we can get him on the line. Let's start with the fan incidents this week. Nick and I talked about this a lot and uh, wanted to have this debate, full debate. So there's two fan incidents this week. Uh, Russ Westbrook, and, well, Nick, that was yours. You want to tell us more about the Russ incident? I'll tell us about the Harden. Yeah, well, it was kind of two. It was kind of a two-in-one pop for Russ Westbrook. Um, so if you, if you guys caught the end of the the series between the Jazz, he was kind of like ticked off coming off the court. And as he's coming off the court, the, the Utah fans are going nuts as they would because there's nothing else out in Utah but a basketball team that they can cheer for. So Westbrook comes off the court, and as he kind of enters the tunnel area, or at least a walk up to the tunnel area, this guy shoves his phone in his face, like trying to take a picture of, or, you know, trying to take a video of Westbrook walking by. And Westbrook, like, swipes like swipes at his hand, like, get that out of my face, man. Get that out of my face. And then the guy, the guy kind of, he jumps back, obviously, because you're not expecting as a fan that the players will react to you. True. He jumps back a little bit, and then he's like, whoa, what do I do? And then he puts his phone back out and tries to kind of be tough. Then as he goes further up the tunnel, there's another guy leaning over the railing and shouts something at him, and, and Westbrook just snaps and, and walks over, and, and the, that guy really – he got re, really turtled up. That guy just sat down real quick and it was all and – then, and then Westbrook goes to the security guy. He's like, get him out of here, stuff like that. So – my take on that hold is on, hold on. We had a second incident. What's that? So Harden. Okay, I didn't see the Harden. Thing. I got you. So the Harden incident. <clears throat> Harden's coming out there, and he's got a fan. They're coming out for I guess like right after their pregame shoot around. So they're or right for their pregame shoot around, and there's a guy standing right there as Harden's walking on the court with his phone right in his face, and Harden's just walking out with his boys, and the guy goes, "Man." You're still the biggest flopper in the league. You just you're such a flopper, and Harden just whack knocks the phone right out of his hand. Yeah. So as he knocks the phone out of the hand, the guy says like starts saying something like, "Well, what I do, what I do," and security's like, "Yeah, boss, get back, or else like you're getting tossed out of here. Like knock it off." Yeah. Well, listen, there's it's, there's two sides of this, and I think that the fans, you get caught up a little bit, and you think that these guys aren't humans, but at the same time, as as a professional athlete, you have to. You really have to know that you're in the spotlight all the time. And I think Westbrook really freaks out. I think he's just – sorry, we're getting a call here. Just going to put that call on hold. So I'm team fan in this case. I feel like you have, you have the right to yell things at players. Sometimes you cross the line, but still, players should not react like that. So – but what, what we want to do now is why don't we jump onto the phones Let's real quick it. since we do have a phone call that Let's came through. Um, we're going to go, I th think this is Joe Radetich, one of my buddies I play softball with. Go let's for go. it. So let's go. Do I have Joe Radetich here? What's up, Nikki? Yo, what's up, man? How, how's everything going? Thanks for calling in. What, what, uh, uh, thanks for having me. What do you want to get into today? I know you're a big basketball guy. Uh, let's talk about Benjamin Simmons. All right, go for it. All right, so... Benjamin, 30 minutes the other night, one point. Yeah. If you're going to win a basketball game, I'm sorry, but T.J. McConnell can't outperform your starting point guard. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. Happen. It's pretty bad. Uh, but now today, I mean, let's be real, though. 
Celtics are doing a really good job containing him, containing Embiid, not really letting them beat you. So today, let's see what Brett Brown draws up because that's what it comes down to the coach too. So uh, it's, it's tough. Hey, yeah, hey Joe. Hey Joe. This is Swags. How you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up, man? So. Let me ask you about Ben here. So I, I, I thought about this a lot, and I, kind of, I obviously I agree with you. You can't go through a game as a superstar as one point, no field goals, right? But let me ask you this. Off the bat, do you want to go to what feels like the answer, which is Ben needs to take those jump shots? Or ha- like, how do you feel he would be best to adjust with how they're playing him? I think he has to pull up from jump or just a – he has to pull up like at least once, twice a game, just so the defense doesn't sit in a friggin' diamond on him. They can pack it in on him. Can't do much. He can't facilitate when they pack it in. They can't open the. Uh, they can't spread the floor. So yeah. So I think uh, I, I I tend I, to agree with you. I think what my thing is is it's more. He has to just look to score more. I don't know if it's taking that 15-foot jumper, right? But even at times yeah. when he drove, he was more hesitant to even try and back a guy down or get a layup. No matter what, when Ben has the ball in his hands, he's always a matchup problem because if it's a smaller guy like Marcus Smart on him, he can just back him down, right? Or if he's got a big man on him, he should be able to get by him and drive. And if they collapse and double, he should pass out. But I think he's got to do more of throwing up his little floaters or going to the rim stronger because – he was just so hesitant, and then he makes bad passes when they double him at the bucket because they know that's where he wants to get to ultimately, right? He's trying to score at the rim. I, I, I definitely agree with you. So if, if you take kind of the Oladipo approach where you drive hard and guys are either going to get in your way, you, you, okay, you're going to take some offensive fouls, but who cares? It's not like you don't have enough guys around you on the floor that can fill in those spots, create more movement, not necessarily ball movement, but having guys moving around to cl- kind of clear space through the middle so that you can at least get get to the hoop sometimes. Yeah, It's going to be yeah. really interesting to see the, the kind of punch-counterpunch and you know see what Brett Brown does to react to how Brad Stevens went out and just said, hey, this is our new strategy. Let's, let's do this with Simmons, see how he reacts. So yeah. it's, it, it was a shame to see that adjustment not happen mid-game, but let's see with a couple days what Brett Brown can do. And let me ask you this, conversely, are you surprised with how well the Celtics are scoring? You know, the Sixers are third this year in defensive efficiency. Nick knows I love my stats. But yeah. the Sixers are a really good defensive team, but the Celtics are scoring minus their two best scorers. So that is a cause for concern, don't you think? Yeah, I 100% agree. I just think uh, I think right now you're seeing there's certain guys on the court that really can't play defense on the court. Like uh, Bellinelli, if he's not making a shot, he really is worthless to us. Yeah, he true. He's defense. he's almost like a and Kyle Korver, right? Like pure offense. Pulling him out of the paint. Like the last game, he was in the paint more. But in the first game, they had their big man just stand in the corner and play four on four, really. Right. Well, and actually, you brought up a good point. See, Embiid, and I didn't like what he did last game because he got himself in foul trouble, right? And he had a silly foul on Horford, like driving by him, where he stepped into his body and then ends up tripping him and they call foul. Those are the type of fouls that Embiid can't pick up. He's going to pick up fouls at the rim, protecting the rim, but he can't allow himself to pick up fouls on jump shooters or guys driving, you know, 15, 16 feet away from the basket. Especially that three-point shot when, uh, what's his name, when he failed, uh... Who was it, Rozier? Rozier, yeah. No, that's Rozier, what I'm saying. Rozier's looking good. Rozier's man. been lighting it up. But again, that those are fouls, and Bede has to understand he can't pick up because we need him to rim protect. So, so yeah, Joe, exactly. Joe, real quick yeah. before we let you go, are the Sixers done? If they lose a game at home, they're done. Well, obviously. If they, if they know, if they, but are you counting them out right now? 
Am I getting on that? Vegas no. doesn't have them out. I don't have them out. They're still favored to win the series in Vegas. So. Well, got to like that. Got to like that, gotta man. Got to like that. So, I mean, unless Vegas just knows something and they're trapping everyone. So, who knows? Definitely. Well, Joe, Joe, we really appreciate you calling in, and uh, we'll check back with you after the game three here. Hey, Joe, thanks for calling All in, right, buddy. That's good. Thanks, brother. Yeah, I, I agree with Joe. I'm not ready to count him out. I, I think that home court has shown in these playoffs to be so important. Um, it is. I actually I, I wanted to look at the stats of home teams that have won in the playoffs because it's been the majority of games, I think, almost at like a 80% clip. And the series really hasn't started yet. That's the old saying, right? The series doesn't start until a team wins a game on the road. I, I obviously, I don't think the Sixers are done yet. They lost two games in Boston, but now they have to come home and get the job done. They're a very good home team, much better team at home than they are on the road. Uh, but the Ben Simmons thing is concerning to me. See, I heard a lot of talk this week where everybody wants to run right to the, well, he needs to take a couple of them jump shots. I don't, I don't, I would like to see him take maybe one or two from the elbow, but he doesn't have to, but he needs to, he needs to force his way to score somehow. And that doesn't necessarily need to be jump shots. No, I don't think it should be at all. Get to the line, get to the cup, like go through these guys. You're bigger and stronger than them. That's just the bottom line. No, you don't go start trying to do things that you haven't done all year. Right. So that, and that's why that the counter punch from Brett Brown's going to be important today. I, I think with the both of these teams, they're both super young. And I know it's it's kind of hard to call the Sixers a young team because they do have a couple of vets that should be able to, to, to play in places like Boston and stuff like that. But Boston's younger than the Sixers. They so are. let's see what, what they can do when they come here before everybody jumps to conclusions, just counts the Sixers out. Agreed. Now, and the one thing that I did want to say about the Celtics is we talked about their offense. Marcus Smart is shooting lights out right now. That's not going to keep up because for his career, he's a bad three-point shooter, like low 30%. So the fact that he's just on fire right now, that's not going to keep up. He's not a good three-point shooter. So that's one thing, and he's been making a lot of big buckets for them. Right. Rozier, right. Rozier can fill it up, so he's going to continue to score, but I just don't see Marcus Smart continuing to score. So I'm never, I'm never a fan of the long layoff. So when the Sixers, after the Sixers beat the Heat and they were kind of sitting around, uh, we're getting another call here. Let me put this on hold real fast. So, yeah, after the Sixers beat the Heat, they had this long layoff. And, you know, I, I don't think that that most teams, especially young teams like the Sixers, are ready for that that lull period. No, kind of I agree. Around I totally And you're not agree. in the intensity. Yes. You're, not, you're not in that atmosphere. You're not in the right state of mind coming into that game one in the second round. I completely agree. And you put the combination of them smelling themselves from the first series and then the long layoff, and you, you sort of expected a, a, a quick a quick layoff. Okay, so we've got another call here. Let's go to Jack's buddy. We have Eamon, Eamon on the line. Eamon, you there? Yo. What's going on, man? Not much. How you doing? Huh? We're just ha- hanging out, FTH Studios. Oh, Sam Ahead, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> so, so, Eamon, were you the you, you had the horse races, right? No, no, that was Jaybird. Oh, that was Jaybird. We're, we're in the midst of. We just had a caller for Sixers, so I know Eamon wants to go in on the Sixers as well. Go ahead, buddy, fire away. Get what do you started. got for us? Uh, well, you know, just trying to gear up for Game Three tonight. Obviously, the first few games they really you know shit the bed. But how concerned are you? How concerned yeah. are you right now? On a scale of one to ten, that's 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 kind of killing me right now. What's killing you? How if Ben's going to bounce back tonight? That's we were just talking about. So let me ask you. Listen, this. he can't get any worse, right? Well, that's true. One point. Let me ask you this: E, as looking at it from a basketball perspective, if you were trying to fix 
adjust to what they've done to Ben, right? Are you saying mm-hmm. to yourself, I want, I'm force him to take those jump shots or what, if you're coaching Ben, what's your move here to counterpunch what the Celtics are doing? They're almost giving him the Rondo treatment, right? I'm, I'm posting him. I'm either initiating the offense from the post or that the elbow somewhere, you know, they can't sag off him because he's one dribble and he's at the basket. I totally agree. And don't you feel like he when he, he needs to just attack the basket even more than he did last game? Like, if they're going to give him those lanes, then get fouled. Then take yourself to the basket. Wait, so you're posting up Simmons? So who's, yeah. who's running the offense? Well, you're initiating the offense from Simmons. He brings the ball. You know, they do this little dribble handoff. Yeah, and okay, if, a little handoff, yeah, the Reddicks, circle down. And if Marcus Smart is yeah. covering Simmons on a give on like a, a little handoff give around, then just drop right to the post. If he gives you three steps, go ahead and drop two. There exactly. you go. And we, and we saw it this year how many times where they do like a reverse high-low with Simmons on the block and Joel up on the elbow. No team can defend that. No. And let's be honest. This isn't the first time that a team has given him the Rondo treatment, right? I mean, we sort of saw no, this a lot this year where teams just literally just stay three steps back from him and they're daring him to shoot, but he still has been effective. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics are clogging the lane. They're not, you know. They... That's the one thing that I we had just talked about, too, and that sort of concerned me is every time he drives, that other the second guy's falling off the double, right? And this is where the Sixers' poor shooting is hurting him because when Ben makes the right pass when he's driving, the Sixers are not shooting well, so they're not knocking down those looks. So they're total like that's the Sixers' offense, right? Ben, it is. dribble, drive, kick for shooters, but they got to make their shots. Yeah, and they they really reverted back to like the beginning of the season where they were they had a consistent streak of going up like twenty points and then just letting mm-hmm. it yep. let it chip away yep. and chip away and chip away. And, but even at the end of the game, they had the five point lead with what was it two minutes left, and it just it just kind of sucks the life out of you. But I, I know again, I like them at home. I think the two the the youth of both of these teams, it's going to show itself on the road, definitely. So, E, on and a to scale— to not expect that going in, I think, is a little bit naive. Yeah, so on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being like the Sixers are dead and done, and 1 being like they're going to win the next four games, where do you sit right now for the series? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm at like a 7 or 8. Oh, boy. So you yeah, think I, they're in real trouble, right? Well, because if they lose one of these two games at home, exactly. they're, they're, they're screwed, I, right? I mean, I can't see them— winning four out of five against the Celtics. They didn't do it in the regular season, which, I mean, they blew how many leads against them. This game brought me right back to the London game yep. when they were up 30 in the second quarter. Yep. They, they lost that game. But I, I just don't see this team being able to beat Boston four out of five times. I, I, I don't want to agree, but I think they're in real trouble. I mean, it's a must that they get these two games at home. And then we'll see what happens, right? It's the best of three, but eventually they're going to have to take one in Boston to get the series. So that's that's going to be the key. Exactly. Two, two I, things. I just, sorry, I don't ahead. see I don't see them winning in Boston at this point. So two things I wanted to ask you about before we let you go, and it's Sixers players, right? And the first is Dario. How do you feel about Dario right now? Because Dario's not played well at all the first two games. No, his his shooting's been um, it's been awful. Um, and he seems to just been on a cold streak. I know he had a few good games against Miami, but you know he wasn't you know the Dario that was playing down the stretch. And he's really a key to their offense because if he's not shooting well, teams just totally sag off him as well. And then there's that you know another guy in the lane either doubling Joel or right. And now you have two guys out there who can't shoot, right? But you know we we've seen him what he can do. I think he's a huge piece for them moving forward. Um, unfortunately, he's just. You know, like a few other guys, he's in a bit of a cold spell right now. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's been really difficult to watch the three-point shooting because you think that they're going to get out of this funk somehow. It has to happen at least one game in this series where one of these guys is going to come out of the their uh, their funk. But what, what I, I'm really down on Robert Covington. I was man. just like, about to ask I, about Covington. I, just, I can't like, and every time I <laughs> That's look where at I was going. and every time I look at the television, he's in the game. I I, I got to be honest, I, I, we've talked about this before, right? And you know, I'm not a huge Covington fan. I, I think mm-hmm. he's a good bench piece because he can come in and he can play defense. But he was making that set three to start the year, right? So everybody's yep. really excited about him. But he has shot it at a pathetic pace the second half of the year, and he continued through the playoffs. He's sort of like a heat check guy, I get it, because he knocked two down last game, a little heat check, right? But he's a walking turnover, too. Like, if he has to put the ball on the floor, it's a turnover. No? Yeah, he can't dribble. He can't finish at the rim. Um, and so for his he's size. he's not shooting well, he's, he's not zero on offense. Right. you got to hope he's playing his best. So, so you look defense. at the starting lineup, right? If you got Ben, Dario, Covington, and Bede and Redick, you've only got two guys on the floor who can actually shoot if Covington and Dario are off the way they have been. Well, to, to me, uh, about Covington, I know these guys are in a different situation than they've been in before in that they haven't been to the playoffs, but Robert Covington, body language-wise, looks scared. Oh, yeah. He looks visibly, like, shaken out there. Like, he does, like he's never played basketball. You know, you can't have that, So out of the, especially out of the, the – Highest, highest paid guy on the team. Can we address? Can we the address team. the albatross in the room here? Can we address it because they're playing the Celtics? Can we address Markel Futz? Yes. Can, I mean, he has not seen the floor, right? He's a guy who I feel like in a situation like Game Two, where your offense is clogged down, he's a guy who can get to the cup off the dribble, can shoot a little bit. Why is he not seeing the floor? I bet you he does at home. I don't know. I, I couldn't believe I he didn't get a shot in game two. I bet you he does at home because he has been the spark at home sometimes that people people want to see him, people call for him, and then he gets in, and then the crowd gets fired up, and he plays off of it. But to, to, to tell me that TJ McConnell is giving you more than what Markel Fultz can, that's a little bit weird. Well, all right. So first, be- because what does he bring into the table that Fultz well, can't bring well, to the table? Well, I'll be honest. TJ played really well in Boston back he, in that he game. Well. He just, yeah. I know, but he's a scrapper and stuff like that. But what can what can he do that Fultz can't do? He gives you nothing on offense. Well, I'd like to see. That's f- the thing at this point. Like, you're not going to win a series with TJ McConnell as your backup point guard. Agreed. Yes. You'll Agreed. be lucky to win two games. Agreed. Seconded. Yeah, and the thing is with Markel, I'm not even saying like TJ can still get his game time because I think he comes in and does a good job. But if Dario's not shooting well, where does it kill you to swap Dario out for Fultz, right? I mean, if Ben and Joel are still on the floor in Covington, you're still big, right? Why can't Fultz get some time over, like, maybe Covington or Dario? I think I think Brett's afraid of him on defense. I think he would get probably lit up by, at this point, Rozier and Smart. But I think that's a big holdup. I mean, you saw it against the Heat. He couldn't defend, and he was dribbling into guys. Right. Talk about looking scared and having bad body language. He looked like he had never played before. Agreed. And then you look across the court at the Celtics' first-round pick, and it just makes you wonder about this whole trade, everything that we did. And this is a piece of the trade that goes untalked about a lot, but it's always a factor. When you are sitting there and you're going to make a deal to move up and you're going to give the Celtics more options – and, you know, everything that they want to do, you're doing it to the Celtics, right? You, it's not like they made a deal with the Rockets to go up and get faults. They gave the Celtics more picks for the future, and the Celtics line wind up with the guy they wanted anyway in Tatum. 
So right now, it's looking really bad, like really bad. Yeah, but I'm not going to sit here and be hindsight guy because everybody going into this draft was Fultz's overall number mm -hmm. one. So, so, so I'm not going to sit here and say that was a, an awful pick because every single expert in the, in the country said that Fultz was the number one all pick, right, so, hands all right, down. Then let me ask you guys. So, Eamon, if yeah. you're going back and looking back, would you still have taken Fultz one, made the deal and taken Fultz one? Absolutely. Knowing, you know, you put me back there last June, knowing what I knew then, absolutely. I mean, the guy was a 25-5 guy in college, 40% from three. You know, he could score at every level on the court. He was the perfect complement. Well, the, the real hindsight in all this comes in how they're using Ben Simmons. Because going into this season, we were told he was going to be the point guard of the team, but we didn't really know if he could do it. We didn't really know if he was going to be Magic Johnson. And, and to sit here and say that we did, now that, now that we have a full season and we see how good he is, that's not – people are like, well, why would they take a point guard if they were going to use Simmons? Well, we didn't know what Simmons was going to be. Well, and I think, too – and you guys let me know what you think about this. I think, too – Fultz is more of a one and two, right? Because I feel like he can yeah. also play off ball because he was a shooter. Now, apparently, we had this whole mystery with his jump shot, right? Which is sort of weird. And it's still going on. Yeah, but mm -hmm. like, I think he came in as a guy who could give you one or two because he could shoot. And that was a piece that he had. And he could also break it down off the dribble as like an off ball guy. So I think that he fit that mold. We're just not seeing it come to fruition, right? Or at least we haven't yet. Yeah. And I think that was their envision. And like you said, it. Whatever happened with the shoulder is, you know, it hasn't come to fruition yet, but that's what they saw, and I think that's what everybody saw, and unfortunately, you know, being Philadelphia, it hasn't worked out for us. I agree. All right, buddy. Well, we're, uh, we're going to let you go. Let's go Sixers. Tip time, 5 o'clock tonight. Thanks for calling in, E. All right, appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks hey. Yeah, so I think what we're hearing from everybody is kind of the same type of reaction, right? Like, we're – we're getting into a point here with the Sixers where you go down 2-0, even though you were in Boston, and there's a lot of things that are concerning to you. And then, like we just talked about with the Fultz, you look across the floor and Tatum's a star, right? I mean, he's already a star. He's already filling in for that team, playing really well. And you look at our side, and, and Fultz, I get the injury, but the thing with the jump shot, and he's unable to contribute, and it just it, it makes you scratch your head even well, more. Well, we've been, we've been saying this whole time that, you know, the Celtics can't continue – to, to shoot at the clip that they're shooting. And let's be honest, it's only been two games. So True. let's see if that let's see if that theory plays out because I, I still personally believe in it. I really don't feel like they can continue to to shoot like that. I agree. And and the Sixers did have them down. It just sucks that they reverted back to the beginning of the season where they're blowing huge leads. Right. And the Sixers after going out way in front and kind of and then hit putting it on cruise control. And this is what we talked about with them. When they get those big leads, they do three things that are just inexcusable. They turn the ball over at a ridiculous clip, right? They get horrible shots on offense, which is almost like a turnover. And then they get lax days goal on defense and give up transition buckets. And those are the, that's the recipe for disaster in the NBA. Yeah, definitely is. But we have another caller on the line. Um, we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going we're gonna to jump to football real quick. Oh, I like it. It's, uh, it feels like summer out there, but we're going to jump into football. Ha Harry Kaiser is on the line. I and, love it. Uh, ha well, ha Harry, everything all right over there? Hair. Hello. What's up, man? You you, you okay? <laughs> that's not me crying. That's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was you crying after after your boy Jason Witten decided to leave uh, Dallas. No, but you know you know what? When the Philadelphia Eagles 
heard about it. Oh, and they geez. pulled that move to take a tight end named Dallas. That was just wrong. What do you mean it was wrong? It's, it's wrong. it felt they so catch, it felt so right. They, they catch the news that Witten's retiring. They're no, knowing the Cowboys need a tight end. Then they draft up and take a guy named Dallas. Exactly. That's that's, that's called it. The, cow, the Cowboys wouldn't do that. That's like us taking <laughs> a freaking running back named Philadelphia. You already got one of the best tight ends in the league. So you so you're telling me you didn't appreciate the David Aker speech at the draft? That's what you're saying. No, here here's the deal. If it was Dawkins or like someone who could actually like run me over, yeah, okay, I could appreciate that. But Akers, <laughs> it hurts on. even worse that it was a kicker. Right? You didn't you didn't like the high pitched squawking from David Akers? I thought I thought it was Ryan Jablonski. For <laughs> <laughs> so so for for those listening and who couldn't tell by now, Harry's a huge Dallas Cowboys fan for reasons unbeknownst, but. So can we can we talk some Cowboys? I want to I want to yeah, ask him because I've been asking quick. a lot of Cowboys fans about you know just they obviously you guys had a disappointing year last year the line got banged up a little bit and Dak you know had a little bit of a sophomore slump. How do you feel about the team coming in this year? You see Dak bouncing back. Tell me your thoughts on on the where you guys stand. Well, it is what it is. I think Zeke being in all year, hopefully, unless he punches somebody else, that'll help. Um, you know, I'm not the average Cowboys fan. I'm going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to go 13-3. and three. Yeah, It is what it is. We got an okay team. If we can not make mistakes, uh, run the ball with Zeke, and the defense plays like they need to, we'll be all right. Well, you got some pieces missing this year. So you lost Dez. They went ahead and, and snipped him. And now Witten retiring to the booth. I got to ask you a question about Witten because I haven't heard too much from Jason Witten. Does he have a personality? Because I, I have never heard him speak before, and I don't know how he is going to transition, just jump right in on Monday Night Football. Let me tell you something. If he played <laughs> for Philadelphia, you guys, you guys wouldn't shut up about him. Well, yeah, he's as a, a hard-nosed guy, blue-collar guy, and he's smart. And he'll be a great commentator. No one would have saw that come with Romo either. No, Romo, like, Romo's oh, fantastic. Like no, Romo's great. Romo is fantastic. Romo's great. Aikman's Let's great. Give the guy an opportunity here. No, I definitely give him an opportunity. But all I'm saying is he's been playing in the league for how long, and I haven't really heard him say anything. I've heard Romo talk before, and I know he. You know, we've heard from Romo, but I, I haven't necessarily heard from Witten. Maybe it's just because I haven't been looking for it. But I don't know. He's jumping right in on Monday Night Football, but. That's to be to be fair, name one tight end you hear from a lot. That's true. Tony Gonzalez, maybe, but he's the yeah, best tight end a, of all time. He's a great Gronk. broadcaster. Yeah. You definitely hear Gronk. from Gronk, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> Gronk's your kind of guy, Harry. Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> but all right, man. So, anything else that you want to get into? Have you been watching basketball at all? Are you you don't strike me as a big basketball guy. No, I, I follow college wrestling, and you know I'm, I'm not a I'm not a basketball guy. But this, you know, it, it it does make sense to me, but maybe not to you. But other Philadelphia teams, when they're doing well, I like to see that the Phillies, the Sixers, the Flyers. I don't I don't get into those sports too too hardcore, but when they're doing well, I can respect it. Good man, well, we appreciate a that. Piece, man. We we certainly appreciate that. Yeah, football is definitely a def- different beast. I don't really care about the Mavericks and like. You know other teams down in Texas, but what do you think about what do you think about the Browns taking Baker Mayfield number one overall? Uh, don't even get me started. Well, we want to get that, you started. That, that hurts Eagles fans and Cowboys fans alike. It hurts everybody. It hurts the league, right? Like and taking that, that kid again, number one. No, the, the Giants aren't a bad team. They got they got the pieces, and now with Barkley, come on, they're they're going to be they're going to be a force next year. So you would have taken Barkley number one to the Browns to mess everything up. You would have taken Barkley number one. 
I would have taken Barkley number one. Uh, they would have still got a good quarterback at four. They might have even got Mayfield. At Mayfield four. would have been there at four. Mayfield would have been there at four. There's, There's no question in the water there. I'm telling you, man. That's they're, interesting. They're just a horrible, horribly run franchise. Actually, we sort of make fun of the Browns on a weekly basis on the show. And I sort of predicted this coming that they take Baker Mayfield. And to your point, you just let players drop like Chubb and Barkley to teams that need that type of help, right? And then you come back around, easily Mayfield would have been there at four. There's no question in my mind he would have been there at four and they take him at one. Yeah, see, but... Yeah, what, and, and what, every, everything, everything's lining up for him. But, but what, what you they can't do... Landry, they picked up a, a okay quarterback in Taylor. You know, they could have gotten Barkley. They could have gotten a young quarterback to build up. They had everything lined up, man. You know, I, I wonder if it's like Major League where they're trying to blow the season on purpose for some kind of <laughs> they, economical reason. They can move again. I don't know. <laughs> they they're can leave have, Cleveland for the second time. They're going to have billboards <laughs> up on the field. No, but, I, you know, I, I'm against you guys. I think that they, if they were really into Mayfield that much, you got you can't risk anything. you got to go up and get them. And I do like Mayfield. I think that of the quarterbacks that come out, that, that came out in this draft, I really think that he makes the best decisions. Maybe not necessarily off the field, but I think as far as a, a football player, I think he's the most mentally ready to play. I think he's a mentally tough kid. I mean, you, you don't think so. I, I, I hate Baker Mayfield as an NFL prospect. I think he was a, a great college quarterback because he played in that sort of chaos, right, in that spread offense in the Big 12. I hate him as an NFL quarterback. I think Josh Rosen is the most ready to go now. I think Sam Darnold has a lot of upside. Uh, Josh Allen, I don't know. I think he's a project. But I think of those guys, I think I would have rather taken a shot on Lamar Jackson because he's an elite athlete than I would have on Baker Mayfield. As far as accuracy goes, Lamar Jackson is, is probably the, the least accurate of those I, I guys. I agree with you, but, I would, but I, to me, I think Mayfield's a project just like – and you don't take projects number one overall. That's my opinion. And I would have rather – because Lamar Jackson is an elite athlete and Mayfield is not. Right, he's just like an above average athlete in terms of foot speed and all that I, stuff. I don't so think I Mayfield. Would've... I don't think Mayfield is a project. I think he's close. He, he's closest to the finished product as any of those quarterbacks. Well, if that's true, if that's true, then he's going to flop out real quick in the league. If he doesn't, if he can't grow from where he is now, he's really going to flop out. I, that's just my opinion. I disagree. I think the most raw is Josh Allen. The most talented is is Josh Allen as far as arm strength and able ability yeah, to move in the that, pocket I and run and stuff like that. He's I mean, a big kid. that's a project. But I think as far as decision-making goes, as far as a football player, I, I think Baker Mayfield is closest to the finished product as anybody. Well, I think the only guy— Maybe Darnold. The only guy you're going to see starting week one is going to be Josh Rosen in Arizona. And he's in the best situation. I, I, I don't dislike Rosen. I really don't dislike Rosen. But it's that it's his attitude that led up to the draft that we saw that really had him drop down to the Cardinals. And, you know— might have dropped further if they didn't ha if they didn't jump up to get him. So I don't know. Well, Harry, we appreciate you calling, man. Uh, anything else uh, you wanted to get into on FTH? No, you guys do your thing, man. I gotta go. I got like, the baby's crying. All right, buddy. Take baby's care of the baby. Thanks, Harry. Good appreciate to, for calling. Good to talk to you, All right, guys. See. Ya. Yeah. So Harry's a good dude, old uh, wrestling buddy. He's real into college wrestling. He wanted to come on here and talk college wrestling, but I, said, I don't know if we could. I don't know if we could do that just yet. We might have to start a separate FTH pod for that. Yeah. Well, like I said, once once we get into the summer, when we get more baseball talk going on, NBA playoffs are done. We yeah, can start baseball. doing some some more stuff, some more wrestling stuff. So yeah, that's uh. Hey, I appreciate everybody calling in, guys. It's awesome. But yeah, uh, so real quick, to get into the NBA. You got what? What do we got tonight? Sixers. Yeah. So yeah, let's do Sixers. Celts at five. Sixers. Celts at five. Um, I feel like we've already beat to death the uh, the series with the callers and everything, so we know what's going to go on there. Sixers. Celtics at five, and then the Cavs. Raptors 
at 8.30 tonight. Uh, I actually had, uh, and I'll, I'll name him by name because he's a loyal listener, Adam E. He, Eppelman, he hit me up this week and goes, Jack, I owe you an apology because I've been all over you about the Raptors being ready this year, and you're right about them. And I go, I know I'm right because they're down 2-0. There's two at home. LeBron is their daddy, and they're folding again in the playoffs. They're, look, I know it's LeBron. I know he's the best player on the planet, but the Raptors front to like top to bottom roster should be able to beat LeBron. Here's what LeBron is. He's a pace artist. He knows he has played so long in this game that he knows how to pace himself throughout the season so that, number one, he plays every single game, and number two, when it's time to ramp up in the playoffs and really get going and stick it to the number one overall seed and Drake, then he just goes. You know, you're a great straight man, Prof, because I wanted to talk about LeBron's pace and actually not just through the season, in-game. You know, I heard statistics this week. So LeBron plays the most minutes, right, in the league. But they had a statistic. He spends the most time walking on the floor as opposed to any other player in the league because he knows when he can sort of take a possession off or they specifically run plays where he won't even touch the ball. He'll come up the floor and sort of stay in the corner. And he'll run like a pick and pop with Kevin Love and J.R. Smith or they'll, they'll set plays up so he can sort of take off without take, getting off the floor. Yeah, they did a thing on SportsCenter, or one of those shows, with showing how he's kind of taking plays off yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, but, you but know it's what? designed. As it's a 33-year-old man. No, it's totally designed. And if you're going to go and put up 47... Yeah, no, and, no, there's nothing the, wrong with it. I'm not entire, saying anything wrong no, with it. I'm not saying that either, yeah. but to, to be the entire offense of that team, I mean, yeah, sometimes you got to take some, some plays off. I totally agree, and because he goes so hard on the defensive end, right? Not like he did in his 20s when he was like an all-NBA defender, Yeah, but he still is a great defender. So do you, do you, still, do you see them coming out of the East with the cast of the, the motley crew they have around him? So here's what I think. Honestly, Prof, I thought the only team that could beat the Cavs is the Sixers. And now with the Sixers not playing well, I can't see them advancing or if they don't advance. Um, so I think the Cavs come out of the East. Uh, I'm not ready to call it on the Sixers yet. But one thing that we did talk about last week, and we, not on a pod, but I really like the aspect that the NBA, the old NBA is coming back and that it's become more a team-centric game than the ISO ball. And I don't know if you want to get into this or not, but the Oklahoma City Thunder breaking up. I did want to get into it. And and the ISO ball is being dismantled across the league, and it's, it's really gone. great. LeBron's pretty much the only one right now that I think is, is holding that up. Now, you look at – I'm not saying superstars because you look at the Warriors and you could say, oh, they have a, they have a superstar, Steph Curry. But, yeah, they have a couple. Durant, um, if you want to call – to me, Clay's a superstar. Clay Thompson. Is I super don't star. call Draymond, but they play team player. ball, so yes. they're not even in the equation. I'm saying I'm talking about like Westbrook and Harden and LeBron and, and Carmelo and Carmelo. I mean, Carmelo is the last of a dying breed. I wanted to talk about Carmelo. I know we do a lot. He's the last of a dying breed of a guy who catches at the elbow, who jab steps twice, who puts up a jump shot, plays ISO ball. The thing about LeBron, even though he's sort of initiates the offense sort of iso he's such a good distributor of the ball right like lebron averages seven or eight assists for his career that he he sort of plays iso but with an eye on oh no they could be a good team they just want the players to do it so he has to do that right so he with an eye on facilitating to others that's why he loves kyle korver so much right because he's such a knockdown shooter and can play off the screen so um i don't put lebron in that category necessarily but mellow literally is like to me is the last of a dying breed of guys who want to play that iso ball four guys stand around 
I'll I'll catch the ball and I'll jab step and I'll go get you a bucket. Like that's not how the league's played anymore. It's up tempo, it's shoot more threes, it's get more possessions, and those guys are dying out. Yeah, because OKC, so Melo said he's not gonna come back to OKC next year because he won't come off the bench. Yeah. And does anybody want him? No, nobody's gonna want him, especially if he's not gonna accept the role coming off the bench. If he's not gonna gracefully fade into his later years and give you twenty minutes off the bench and like some instant offense and run a second team, he's gonna be out of the league. Well, you can call it the Westbrook factor, you can call it whatever you want, but his numbers are down this year, sixteen points a game, five boards a game, like one assist a game. Yeah, so his it's a, they're a weird franchise, man. Like they've had some unbelievable players come through and and I'm I'm taking out this the Supersonics factor, but I am including Durant. But they've had some like really good players come through and some other players that they drafted that are now on other teams like um, James Harden. James Harden, um Sabonis, Serge Ibaka. Sabonis is a good player. Sure, dude. Dude, let, let, let's go back to what I talked about. Ibaka. Yeah, yeah let's mean, go back to what I talked about. Remember this earlier in the year, and and I sort of alluded to it. I think Russ is really difficult to play with, man. I think he's so good. I, he's my favorite player to watch in the league right now. He plays so hard every possession. He's a freak twitch athlete, but I think he's really hard to play with. Look, Paul, uh, playoff P's out. Yeah, he's leaving. He's, going to LA, he's leaving. It's really hard for guys to play with Westbrook because of his style. His just crazy, like always attack, ball dominant. Like I don't know. I, I I'm, but it's just weird for uh, it's just weird for an organization to be so, from a general manager standpoint, to be so good in some aspects and then so bad in others. Well, I think they're extre- like they've had so many good players that come through, but, but they then just, they either dish them out. Well, or, they, they just they've I think. So you're right, actually. It's sort of a paradox. Or, or they, they've hitched their wagon so much to, to Russell Russ, Westbrook right. that players are forced out. Yeah. Like, who would you keep, Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook? Kevin Durant. Like, all due respect, Westbrook's, yeah. like, one of the best athletes but in the league. Kevin Durant's the second best, but second or third he, best player in the league. Like, he might be, like, the second, like, the top. Did you put him in the top shooters of all time? Who, Durant? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Cowherd the other day put Steph Curry. Steph Curry's the best shooter of all time. I think so too. He is. But he it, Cowherd did did Durant, Steph Curry, and like Larry Bird left out a couple really good shooters like Ray those, Allen. I mean, those are three all time shooters right there. Yeah, no, Ray they Allen, definitely are. Reggie Miller. No, I agree with you, man. Would you put Would you put Durant over somebody like Ray Allen? It's tough. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, Durant hasn't done it for long enough yet. To be over like Ray Allen, Durant's been in the league a long time. But dude, Ray, Ray Allen had like a 16-year career, and he was still knocking down game-winning shots for Miami in like year 16. Yeah. We'll see if Durant another six years can do that. Durant, man, Durant's—he's so. Every good. time I look at him, I'm like, dude, this, he's, he like, shouldn't exist. He's the skinniest guy I've ever seen. It's insane. And, but his legs are like six feet long. He shouldn't exist. It's the weirdest looking guy. And the way he shoots. I mean, first off, you know, talking about shooting, when Steph came back, his first possession, and he just drains a three pulling up from two steps over half court Steph's the best shooter we've ever seen there's no debate he's unreal he's on I, I don't do, I can't fight you on that no um speaking of weird looking guys Sean Livingston's got a weird shaped head yeah he's an, he's a he, he's I'll tell you what he's got a muffin head he I'll tell you what about Sean Livingston he's a, it's a real shame that he blew both his knees out when he was in the Clippers because that kid was a six eight point guard who could score and could do everything. And before he got hurt, he would have been a perennial all star. He's he's still a good player. He's still a good but player. I'm just saying his head looks like one of those like memes that <laughs> you have. You put that filter on it, and it makes your head big. So do we do we even need to touch on the West series? They're they're both at two one right now, but neither one of us thinks that oh, the Rockets dude. or Warriors. There's can Rockets win, right? last night. 
everybody in Utah came out fired up, ready for that game after after Utah yeah, stole and one. And the Rockets <laughs> said, no, sir. Now, let me remind you of how Let's good we are. Let's talk real quick about the uniforms. Yes. The, oh, God. The Utah Jazz uniforms. The Utah Jazz is in an identity crisis they right are. now. They really are. They Nick, used to have really cool uniforms, like the purple, the purple. with the mountains and mm -hmm. stuff behind them, the Stockton and Malone uniforms. Fantastic. Go back to that, dude. Man. That, Those... That's that's your identity as it. And now they have this weird color scheme. Number one, that they're like this blue, purple with with the the yellow or gold or whatever that is. And then the the things they they run out there last night, the flame oh, the flamethrower uniforms, horrible. Oh man! I literally thought it was something from like the Jackie Moon movie, like semi pro, like the Flint Tropics. It was yeah, so it's bad. It's just like a, a orange, yellow, red color palette that it looks like <laughs> something like Microsoft Word, where you like go in and pick your, your the color that you want. And how about the state logo on the, the the floor? Yeah. So on the floor, and I I took note of this too. So on the floor, I'm looking at the the, the floor, and I'm like, what are these like the odd like. Um, these shapes on the floor they look like basketballs and, I've, and I'm, I'm looking through i'm like oh my god that's the state of utah that looks like it's on fire but dressed as a basketball and it was just like it just Horrible. feels so wrong so bad but they have some good players they're gonna be a decent team yeah donovan mitchell it's just saying it's a shame that they're rubio it's just a shame that their fashion team is uh, in such a yeah. Weird they need to go back crisis. to the drawing board once uh, once the Rockets knock them it's out. Such here. a it's it. I know, I know where it comes from, but it is. It, there, is there anything like less jazzy than Utah? <laughs> like it's just like so against no. the name of their team, well, the you state know, itself. Yeah, you said, you allude to it, but we can talk you know to it real quick. You know why they're the Jazz, right? Yeah, New Orleans. Yeah, they moved from New Orleans. That's right. Yeah, but you know what? If we're talking color schemes, that's another weird team. Color the Pelicans. Scheme yeah, I don't know what colors they are. Well, well first well, off, the Pelican might be the worst logo in the league. One night they have they have navy blue and white and gold, and then the next are red and so gold. So did you did like, you see? Yeah, you know what? You're right, actually, and I. I watched game two, and I couldn't tell who was who because yes. the Pelicans were wearing Warriors colors. Yes. And the Warriors were in like a, like a weird the, blue. The town the yeah, town shirts. Yeah, and I'm going, what is this, guys? I'm like, I, I thought I need to be able to tell what team is what team. Yeah. For real. Identify yourselves. All right. Well, that's all I got. Nikki, you got anything else for us? No. I, I don't have anything, but just we want to we want to reiterate, guys. So hit subscribe. We're coming to you from a lot of different places. Uh, we're on uh, SoundCloud. We're on Apple. iTunes uh, application. iTunes application. We're on YouTube. Hit Jack's channel up. Hit subscribe. We have swag coming out now that you can finally see me on video for the first time today. <laughs> Hi, Nick. Hit subscribe and you get some free swag. The hats, maybe not the hats, but we got stickers. We got koozies. We got all kinds of stuff, right, Jack? All kinds of free stuff. The hats are not free, but they're really on fire. Nick and I are both wearing them, so if you want a hat, hit me up. We'll get you that. Got koozies, got wristbands, got stickers. I got magnets. I got hit me up I if you want. I don't some even free have stuff. a magnet. Yeah, but. I got all kinds of free stuff you want. Seriously, guys, as Nick said, please smash that subscribe button on all of our platforms. If you don't know how, hit us up. We'll tell you how. It's easy. It's free. Doesn't cost you anything, but helps us out a lot. We appreciate all the support. We appreciate Joe, Eamon, and Harry for calling in today. And also appreciate Jay Bird. He, he tried to call in, but we had some technical difficulties. Yes. But Sorry he gave about us that, his Jay picks. Bird. We got you next time, buddy. We'll get Birdman on the air. That's it, guys. That's all I got. Oh, by the way, I got a birthday shout out, Shannon. Happy birthday! Oh, tomorrow. Good thing you. Good thing you. It all, almost slipped one. my mind. That all right. Been a happy problem. birthday, Shannon. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy Derby Day. We'll talk to you guys next week. Swags out.